0: Hello, to our Hell-o, everyone and welcome to the hellboy book club my name is john salinas and i'm here with Are well, we love us. and i'm daniel
1: and i'm Mass track by
0: hey guys so the buff raffle is going on at mike mignola's art on facebook.com and on Facebook. Talk. Why did I say that?
2: <laughs> you should leave it.
0: It's on the dot com, everybody. <laughs> it's it's dot a, dot org. It's one of those <laughs> WWE No, dives. just
2: refer to it as Facebook.com from now on. <laughs> I implore you.
0: And so Craig has added Mike Norton to the raffle. Mike All Norton right. is now oh, contributing a piece of art. And we just saw his art last week when we were reading BPRD, Hell on Earth, The Exorcist. Cool. So that is so awesome. So they're continuing to add people. I think Craig has some more surprises lined up for us. There are also, as of today, 11 pins left from the, oh, wow. from the hundreds. So yeah, if you want to get on that, you need to do it quick. Remember, raffle donations will go towards the V Foundation for Cancer Research, 30% to the COPD Foundation, 20% to the brain tumor association and 20% to the alzheimer's association. So get on that raffle, let's raise as much money as we can. And now we're going to move on to some listener feedback.
3: You read a story. We talk about it. You
0: hate them guys us it's a book club Get out we got a first time days, hey you damn geyser hey all hey. right, from paul graham paul graham book club member That's he right. said just listen to the ashley strode episode and i thought i'd share a thought i had during my reading probably just a coincidence but the demon trapped in the sigil really reminded me of when strobel trapped abe in the sigil and he changed back to his previous form Mm. that demon dude just kept changing between all those creepy heads while trapped in the sigil too yeah so I thought that was a neat parallel right Right. because we saw abe transform into the other version magic very cool yeah Yeah, he said cheers for everything so thanks a lot hope to hear from you soon all right we had some feedback on abe sapien regressions jerry turnbull said jerry
2: turnbull Mm -hmm. book club member
0: yeah He said, I think Professor Broom is getting an unnecessary hard time over his taping sessions. It's the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense. He's just doing the research bit.
3: Mm. (laughs) I, I saw that comment, so I started thinking about it, and it's just like, I don't know. I feel like there really was a reason why he probably held back. He could just be being a dick, but he could also be like, we don't know what kind of person Call was. Maybe he doesn't want to expose Abe to Call. Right. Because you remember, I mean, his friends went off and did that a lot of stuff with like, you know, building those suits and shit like exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Um,
0: yeah, somebody else brought that up last week, too. I think Jason Abaddon said maybe Broom was trying to protect Abe from that. Yeah.
3: I mean, maybe it's just Abe just needed a time to be himself before he found out who he was.
2: This motherfucker is lying <laughs> to people that he... <laughs> Is calling friends to his face. He's like, oh, to their faces, you're my family and my friends, but behind your back, I'm going to do all this fucking bullshit without your knowledge or consent.
3: So, well, no. no. Well, no, no, no. They consented to be hypnotized.
2: Did they consent to be, like, fucking manipulated and shit? Because mm. it seems like but no. How he, but, but how did he manipulate them?
1: He could have selfish reasons. He not? Without yeah. Without being evil about it. Like... Maybe he just wanted these guys to not be distracted so he could keep them going out on missions and stuff. Sure. But then sure. again, he was getting to the bottom of it, and I think he just wasn't there yet. Yeah. Mm. But I don't know. I mean, I I, I think it is manipulative in a way if he was being selfish.
0: Sure. Because
1: he knew stuff about them that could have made them more well-rounded people. Maybe they could have done their job better, and it would have... Suited everyone involved, right? I feel like but, having yeah.
2: having control over the decisions that determine yeah. your life. You know what I mean? Like that's important. Yeah, um,
3: no, I mean, like he really w- he he did hypnotize him and he recorded, it, but he just didn't tell him what went on in the hypnotism. They have every Such right is. to know that information. Sure.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: So in the, within these comic books, hypnotism is magic, basically, because that is yeah. not how that shit works. So let's just go exactly. with that. It's He's magically putting them under a magic spell, and they don't remember anything about it when they wake. Sure, okay, let's go with that. We're going with that. Okay. That sucks.
1: I have mm. a question. Who's more manipulative, Kate Corrigan or Professor Broom? Mm.
2: She's taking a leaf out of his book and i don't appreciate it
1: right but, but i mean maybe that's just her school of management mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right right <laughs> like yeah. we got a job to do it's, it's the end of the world style yeah, yeah. yeah. and hayden and- or oh go ahead matt i'm sorry no anyway i was just gonna keep harping on that <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but hayden Orr, he also chimed into that discussion he said he agreed with jerry He said he certainly made some decisions that may have not worked out very well, and a lot of what he's done may seem sketchy to someone who doesn't know the whole context, but if he was a bad guy, he had never taken Hellboy in and cared for him the way he did. He was never a real parent, so he had to come into fatherhood with a supernatural child while also being responsible for the whole government-sanctioned entity that dealt with death and evil forces all the time. He tried his best to help his quote-unquote kids, and he, like a lot of parents, did what he thought was right for them. Maybe not what they wanted or needed, but he certainly tried to help them in his own ways.
2: If they didn't want it or need it, why is he doing it? But, but
0: he a he lot was of parents dealing with a right? lot. Yeah. He
2: was yeah, dealing I, with I a think- lot. I'm not trying to come down too hard on him. I'm just saying, like, y'all are trying to make it sound like he didn't do anything wrong. Oh,
3: you know, I'm not oh, no. saying he's,
2: he's he should be perfect in every yeah. way. I'm just saying that kind of sucks. Uh, yeah, no. I, so I'm not trying to say also that he's an evil villain. There's that's not, not black and white. There's he did some good things and some bad things, and he was up against a lot, and he had a lot to deal with. I, I'm. But also, like, that shit
1: sucks. Vavaro would show, would show up dancing on his desk right. randomly. Oh, yeah. Right. I don't know how to you deal know, with had, that kind of stress he had either. shit in his life, yeah. I can't <laughs> say I
2: would have made better choices either. I'm not saying that I'm better than this character or anything like that. Or, you know, I'm just saying it is what it is. I think he is. was selfish.
1: Sure. I think he was selfish, and there's really no excuse for that. I think he was calling the shots as he saw fit. And that was selfish. And
2: some decisions that he made could be chalked up to being under extreme amount of stress. Like, I don't know how to deal with the apocalypse. I don't know how to deal with supernatural monsters, you know, so I'm...
3: Maybe, maybe who that, am
2: I to talk maybe it's you know who's maybe, amongst maybe, us who's amongst <laughs> us exactly
3: maybe that's part of what it was was that he just didn't know what to do with that information That's it's like because that's like some heavy ass information of course right, right. yeah you know and you're going to lay that down on, do with it? on Hellboy like hey you're really the beast of the apocalypse you're bound to bring about the end of the world sure Abe you are the bridge
0: to the next world And Liz, we haven't found out yet. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But also, Mm -hmm. like, I also think about how he ended, too. So he went on the Cavendish Exposition. I said exposition on the last episode, too. I was so irritated with that. (laughs) He went on on the Cavendish Expedition. He ended up going, like, starting to go crazy, and then he was killed by a frog monster. So he didn't... It's not like he had the best end, either. So you might say that he, you know, it came around or something like that, you know? Well,
2: I I don't necessarily even believe all that. It's just a... It's just a messy situation. It is
0: messy yeah. all
2: around. It's a messy world, and but that's
0: a- what that's what real relationships are like. And Absolutely. That's what real life is like, and too. that's
2: what makes the writing so great. Yeah. Is that you know I I think we would almost be disappointed if his character was nothing but if he a was shining Mister like Rogers, knight. yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you you don't want that out of. Most character. I mean, sometimes you're like, yeah, Yeah. it would be nice to have a break and have at least one character that's not
1: a total fucking (laughs) jackass. But no, I mean,
2: people are complicated and they're multidimensional and it's you know multifaceted and all that stuff. So it's good.
1: And which BPRD member or character in the book doesn't have a messy situation? Of course, of course, all of them. Every single one of these guys. It's like it's like a home for refuge or something. Sanctuary. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's their sanctuary. Yeah for for people who have weird paranormal shit going mm. on in their life and each one of these people is totally messed up hellboys <laughs> in hell okay yeah, right that's true and yeah. look <laughs> look what happened to edward gray <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit, yeah. anyway we yeah, get
2: arcs is what we're saying good discussion yeah. yeah
1: so
3: okay so broom kept his tapes hidden in his house right uh, but that's like some kind of like weird information. Like, let's say a hundred thousand years from now, somebody can get these tapes, and he's like the prophecy or something like that. Right. But why didn't he ever have that stuff with the BPRD? Why wasn't it in the main BPRD files? So Maybe, Broome yeah. was keeping it away from everybody. Right, he was just keeping right. that knowledge secret to himself. Yeah, interesting. It's anyway, like I don't just didn't know what to do. I with would it. be so I have
2: impressed no if a hundred thousand years from now technology existed that could play
1: magnetic cassette tapes. Mag- magnetic cassette tapes. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, it's like Broom put it on a secure server for no reason. Sure. right. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that, so
3: I just thought of that.
0: Yeah, no, good. Thank you for that, Jerry. Good discussion. We had some feedback on BPRD, Flesh and Stone. Drew Campbell said... Drew
3: Campbell. Book club member.
0: I know, in addition to putting cordyceps in coffee you can also buy it separately as a supplement it's supposed to have antioxidants and supposedly have anti-tumor effects as well as being anti-inflammatory and helpful for managing diabetes and he also shared a song about fungus adapting to attack humans
1: by cephalic carnage all right yeah sounds so great check i checked uh cocoa i have the hot cocoa it's got Oh, how do you pronounce it? Reishi? Oh, nice. Okay. mushroom? All right. Cool. Just like antioxidant or whatever.
0: Nice. And Lobster20,000, he said, Reading this scene for the first time was jaw-dropping when the black flame cracks the shell Mm. of the Ogre Jihad. Yeah, definitely. We had some feedback on Broken Vessels. That was the short Tim Sale story that we discussed the week before last. Mm -hmm. Nicholas Orzaga said, I bought this issue when it first came out, the Christmas issue, and was completely confused by it and wondered... What the heck this had to do with Hellboy? I also felt kind of let down with Tim Cell being stuck, quote unquote doing this story. Thanks to catching up with the BPRD, it makes a lot more sense, and I can appreciate it for what it is. You're yeah, and right. think about that because like a lot of there are a lot of people that had just read Hellboy, right? You know, and they haven't read BPRD. So then, if they pick up these Christmas issues, and there's like BPRD, they may not always but, know yeah. the references. So You pick this up and you just see like some weird caveman story or something like that. You're like, (laughs) what the heck is this? What does it have to do with Hellboy? I never thought of that. That's interesting. We had some feedback from Mark Tweedo on Exorcism and Exorcist, the stories that we read last week. He said, glad to know I'm not the only one that enjoyed the panel density of Exorcism. I had to go through and count all the panels. I love pages like these.
2: All
1: right. It's like a sickness though. Right. <laughs> once you start doing it, you'll always do it.
0: He also said on Ashley being unfamiliar with exorcisms, she's from the Navy. She was transferred into the BPRD to help with the frog plague.
2: Oh, that's right. She's I likely about that.
0: seen a lot of combat, but not much of the good old-fashioned supernatural stuff.
2: I should have cut her more slack. Yeah. yeah. Now I forgot all about that.
0: And he also said, on names, remember in Hellboy mythology, the name does not command power over a demon, it is their secret name that grants power.
2: Still, it's bold to just outright ask a demon for that sure, name, yeah. <laughs> I think. It's a little...
1: That reminds me of The Crooked Man. And did you guys see that news? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's you know. going
0: to be like a sequel to The Crooked Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're, doing a, they're coming back to that story. And yeah, I forgot who's doing it. I already it. forgot. Yeah, but that looks awesome. I can't wait to see that. Drew Campbell said, I wonder if between these two stories, Strode found out that Liz never actually said all that positive stuff about her. So when Barith tells her that the demons in hell talk about her, she's like, I'm not falling for that again. Uh. That might also explain why she never replies to Kate's messages. She's angry at her for lying about what Liz said. Huh. Yeah, that's an interesting take on that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it
1: fits. Yeah, it certainly you know. does. Yeah,
2: right on. I like that. I love a good headcanon.
1: Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Uh, new Crooked Man artist will be Zach Howard. Oh, All Zach right. Howard. Cool. I started following
0: yeah. him on, in, on a, I don't think he has an Instagram, but I started following him on Twitter. He's got some really great art and he's been sharing like little, like kind of teaser panels of Hellboy, which are really cool. Cool. Hayden Orr said, great episode. This is one of my favorite things that the Mignolaverse does. I love when a character from a previous series or story pops up again. It could easily feel force, but Mignola and crew always make it feel organic.
2: Which episode was that the most recent
0: yeah, because we had Ashley
1: Strode and Oda Benga okay. show up from past stories. Yeah, I mean that's a testament to genuine world building. We always call it the Hellboy universe, but it—I mean, it literally is, right. right? Because at any time, that's why it would be complicated to read just Hellboy mm-hmm. or just the BPRD, because these characters—and—and and if it's not complicated, you're certainly missing out to a degree because the richness of having these characters that can just pop up anywhere at any time is very cool. Yeah. And that gives, some much more well-rounded reading experience. Yeah.
0: And I think also, I forgot to talk about this, like on one episode, Aubrey, you mentioned like Googling the show or whatever, Googling the podcast. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I did that the other day. And I actually found out when Mark Tweedell did the 2019 Mignola Versity reading order, he uh, had a little blurb about us about us at the end. Oh, fun. oh nice. And so at the bottom of the reading order, he's got some alternate orders and he lists the order that we do. And he says that this is personally his favorite order, not only because he oh, helped cool. construct it. Um, but I thought that was really cool. And like what you were talking about, Matt, made me think about that because Mark also has a good way of structuring the story so that way we see these repeat characters like in the next story or you know what i mean like it's been um the reading order kind of enhances these callbacks so yeah it's really great
3: oh yeah because uh when we were like i said like i think it was last week when we were reading um i just uh, turned the page and there's Oda binga yeah and it's like oh shit all that stuff with um anders yeah
0: yeah that was great and actually that goes right into our next feedback by nicholas orzaga he said crazy to think there was a demon trapped Ode Benga's own body when he trapped the two vampires inside of Anders's body.
3: <laughs> he had a demon
0: trapped inside of him and then he trapped the vampires inside Anders and it's like, of course, that's how that's what he knows how to do. This other story makes sense now because he's like, well I did this before with me and yeah. it sucked, but that's all that I know how to do and so I'm gonna do it with this guy too. You know? Yeah, right. that's actually a kind of interesting thing because like when he did it to himself, he knew what he was getting into. Right. But when he
3: did it to um, Anders' Anders had no idea, and it fucking almost drove him crazy. Yeah, yeah. Or I guess it did drive him crazy. It did. Yeah. Uh,
0: Techpad Sequoia said, I was born and raised in Fresno. When they mention it in these stories, I lost my mind. They end up mentioning my hometown three times in BPRD, and I'm like, of course some shit would have gone down in Fresno. (laughs) (laughs) Jason Abaddon said, Benga got the crap kind of immortality where you keep aging but you can't die yeah because he's just getting older and older and oh. older you know but he's like most versions of immortality you stay like the same age right or something
3: there's a character in doctor who that um ended up becoming immortal but he still aged
0: right okay yeah at a certain point Sucks. would you just like not be able, be able to move anymore or something well, or well
3: they end up meeting him, like millions of years later and he just looked completely different
0: wow yeah okay
2: well, what about panya she's like a mummy
0: oh yeah i oh, guess yeah. you're right yeah yeah ms collector 11 said ashley strode is one of my favorite characters in bprd she just popped off the page for me she came out of nowhere in one random short story And that story resonated with me and it had me rooting the whole way. And C. Green 159 on Instagram said, I feel like Skeleton Crew needs to make the rosary as part of their artifact collection. Hmm. Yeah, I think that, and I think we talked about that. Um,
3: Well, we did because you said, uh, make me a flaming sword.
0: Right. (laughs) And Jason Abaddon said that he wondered if that might offend Catholic people. But, I, but aren't rosaries used in other religions, okay, too? Like wouldn't they're called.
2: All, wouldn't all of this shit
0: right? Catholic
2: be <laughs> like, what, you're going to start with that? What about all this other fucking shit? But
0: there's also like malas, and they're kind of like rosaries, but they're used for a different religion, right, or something?
2: This entire, all these books are full of all these sigils and demons and right. devils, and he's called Hellboy. <laughs> no,
0: no, but we draw yeah, the, line kind of of dit- <laughs> the line at rosaries. We draw
3: the line at a fucking fake,
0: yeah. Regarding the David Mack cover that we discussed last week, David Mack actually retweeted us. Oh, that that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. He said, this is from the month that I did covers for the Mignolaverse books, Hellboy, Mm -hmm. Abe Sapien, and BPRD all in the same month. Hey, cool. Yeah, that was awesome. And so we'll get to some of those other covers down the line.
2: Nobody wanted to talk about any of my casting? Stephanie.
0: nobody said anything about Aww. the casting but but we're also we're recording like about three days earlier so <laughs> we may still get some you know i don't feedback. i like, don't care i think we usually have a little bit more but yeah give us some feedback on danielle's no, casting i don't decisions. care
1: <laughs> hey can i give a shout out to jason abaddon you of you can course give several oh, please, shouts out to,
2: to jason abaddon he, book club member
1: he sent me almost every i mean for all i know it is every issue of starman from the oh, 90s wow. into so the awesome. 2000s yeah and there's like a couple of issues that aren't there and I, i'm going to try and fill those in but i mean i'm like 97% of, yeah. of the way there yeah i could I just so. I could just read it if I wanted to, but I was looking through a lot of them, and I I read the first few, and I was like, oh my god, so many other comics have been inspired by this. Oh, okay. Like, I I can see it now, right? Yeah. uh, One in particular, but I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Oh,
0: okay, okay. It's something related to the verse. No.
1: Oh. Oh, Then then you gotta ruin it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, I personally think Tom King and Mitch Gerard's Mr. Miracle... Series. Oh, did you read that okay
0: i i have the trade but i actually haven't read it
1: if i had to guess uh just from storytelling technique and panel layouts here and there i if i had to guess i would say that they were inspired by robinson's starman
0: nice awesome. very cool
1: i I'm, it's not like a ripoff or anything but i was like wow this is really reminding me of mr miracle and that only just recently came out and this stuff came out years ago
0: so. yeah yeah Anyway. that is so cool thank you jason abaddon yeah, for doing that man big shout out for him yeah seriously that was huge very cool all right and now we're gonna go on to our book club episode for the week this week we're talking about some lobster johnson stories and we're gonna start with kaput mortem so i wanted to talk about the timeline a little bit for our previous lobster stories we did the iron prometheus and so the iron prometheus took place that was the one where he fought memnon Sa. And that one took place in 1937, which is way past, like, five years after these stories. So these stories are kind of in the past. We also read The Burning Hand, and that took place right before these stories in February of 1932. So we're picking up after The Burning Hand here with Kaput Mortem. This is a one-shot published in September 2012, written by Mignola and Arcudi, Cover and interior art by Tanchi Zanyich, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins. There is also a variant Year of Monsters cover with The Lobster and Frankenstein by Mignola and Dave Stewart. Regarding the title Caput Mortem, this is a Latin term whose literal meaning is dead head or worthless remains. The term is also used in alchemy and it's also the name of a pigment. Did you know that? It's like a dark maroon. Oh, yes. yeah, I not know that. Yeah. So we open in this movie theater... Oh, wait, wait. Oh, was, you want to talk about this cover? Yeah.
3: Fuck, man. I love this cover. The blue and the orange of the city and the.
0: Man, I think it's fucking You know, yeah. this
2: really uh, looks like a screen print.
0: Oh, yeah. It would make a great screen print. It would. It yeah. really would. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. And I feel like. I want to print this. Zonych, <laughs> I feel like Zanyich has become like the Fumaras for Lobster Johnson, kind of. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: We'll so I have the year of monsters cover
0: yeah I love that one that's a great one too and I think it's in the yeah it's in the omnibus version or in the trade version in the back
3: that's a great cover though
0: yeah so we open in a movie theater news marches on these guys are watching this news reel <laughs>
2: yes sir and the news marches on hey there you
0: go yeah <laughs> <laughs> And these guys are watching this newsreel, and in the newsreel, they reference the resignation of German Chancellor Heinrich Brüning. And so this really happened in late May of 1932. Brüning resigned due to unpopular policies he implemented after the great depression which increased unemployment and soon thereafter he moved to the united states as a refugee of nazism and he tried to warn the public about hitler's plans for war and later about soviet aggression and plans for expansion that's from wikipedia at least and so these two guys in the audience they think all this is really boring and they're like yelling who cares roll the picture and they too just like uh i thought this was kind of a neat parallel they too are ignoring hitler in the, we see Hitler in the newsreel, right? Yeah,
3: This scene also kind of reminded me a little bit of the first Captain America movie where those guys are yelling at the theater. Yeah, you And right. Captain America's like, hey guys, you want to shut it up? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, yeah, there's a guy in front of them. He tells them, he can tell they weren't around for the Great War. But they get excited when they see about this New jersey Bay Superior Airship Company. And so we see this Zeppelin. It will make its maiden voyage to Quebec on June 9th. Good old American news, they say.
3: But it's a German vehicle. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) That's
0: what's funny about it. And um, so then we see them again after the movie, and they're pretty bummed that the movie Merrily We Go to Hell was not an action-packed movie that they thought it was going to be.
1: Okay, so these guys are coming out of this movie thinking that it should have been action-packed based on the title. Right. Right. A lot of people thought that. This movie did very well, and it was probably just because of the title. Ah, okay. It, it's really, the the movie, I've seen it a couple of times. It's just about a guy who cheats on his wife and he's a drunk, so she ends up cheating on him. Right. It's basically the movie, right? So, But there's two notable things about this movie that, that I think are cool. One, it was directed by Dorothy Arzner, mm-hmm. and she was the only female director in all of golden age of hollywood oh wow wow so that's notable and also it's a pre-code movie so nowadays we have like the rating system Uh, right okay but then there was a time before that where they just had like the motion picture production code which basically meant no interracial love Mm. no sex no swearing no strong female characters that kind of stuff
3: stuff stuff,
2: yeah.
1: stuff you see in movies all the time now right? right but before the code it was referred to as that period in film was referred to as sin city which is the first time uh, i ever heard that term okay. outside of like the frank miller book sure, or las that's... vegas right and so you can see the Sin City comic has a lot of that stuff in it, right? Like strong oh, female characters, yeah, yeah. sex, violence. But the other reason why these guys are probably bummed out is because pre-code films would often depict gangsters as like the good guy. Mm. And and they would prop them up in a way that you could root for them, right? It was like, no, that guy's just trying to get his, like the original Scarface and that kind of stuff. Right. So anyway, I encourage people to check out as much pre-code film as they could. Do not be misled by fancy titles. Sure,
3: I used to. My dad used to actually have this That's documentary cool. called um, "Unsearched Hollywood," and it talked all about how the inflammation of the Hays Code, um, and then all led to the rating wow. system. But they were showing like clips from pre-code movies uh, with Shirley Temple that were that, that it's just no. Wow, she was like dressed up like in an evening gown kind of thing, and just like walking around
0: like, and it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I have on here also that the title is a line that the main character says while making a toast. Merrily we yeah. to go to hell, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. The toast, that's one of my favorite, because there's another toast that follows that, but that's a good part of the movie. Ah. But it's like toward the end, so okay. you watch the whole thing before we reading about yeah, it. Yeah, i have
0: to check that out. I wonder if it's just on YouTube by now or something, right? It, it is, me. Yeah. Yes. Cary Grant in it. It might be his first movie, I'm right, not sure. Right, right. That would have been really early for him. And so these two guys, they're in for some action, though, after all, because they decide to mess with this guy stumbling around, seemingly drunk to them. And so they make fun of him for being all bundled up in 70-degree weather and for smelling bad. At one point, they take off his hat, and they see he's all emaciated. And he says, please help me in German. This guy ain't drunk. He's sick, one of them says. The guy he like grabs onto one of these dudes, like clutching his shirt, and then he just starts melting all over him. Zanyich makes this so horrifying and disgusting, and so this guy is just screaming out. He's got melted man juice all over him. Oh, so gross! (laughs) But then
3: also, like his clothes absorb all that juice as they fall to the
0: ground. (laughs) Wow,
3: bloody man juice!
0: Yeah and so we cut to superior airships we see the zeppelin that was referenced earlier translated from the german it says on the bottom and so we zoom in to the zeppelin window and we see a group of guys sitting at a table a waiter addresses them and says they're heading into a bit of a storm they say they're not worried and as the waiter walks away they're all like it can't wait the storm winds can't help in fact but the rains that's the issue we're over Manhattan now. I say we move with it before the rain starts. Then we're all agreed. So they have like some secret plan that they're discussing. Good
2: Nazi plans. Because yeah. this little Nazi pin here.
0: But there's this. Oh, yeah. There is a Nazi pin there. Thanks for pointing that out. And then there's this one guy, Paul, and he seems kind of hesitant. They're like, stop brooding. This is what Lucas would have wanted. And then so we see that guy, Paul, like we see him walking down the hallway.
1: Okay. Uh, so best way to write a Lobster Johnson one shot. Nice. Is to just come in at the third act, right? Right. Sure. That's true. Yeah. Like they just cut to the chase, man. Really. I love it. That's it makes it so good. Any other comic, you'd be like, oh, there's no buildup. But this this is is really all you want. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) to
0: so the Nazi punching. Exactly. So we see Paul. He walks into this room. He just gets chopped on the back by the lobster. He knocks him down. Not a word from you, Herr Dietrich. Not one sound. Last night, your brother Lucas melted on the streets of Lakehurst. He was here on a work visa like you. It expired in April like yours. And now you're going to tell me the rest and so he's like you won't fire that gun hold the hydrogen in the airship, and all this kind of stuff and so the lobster just opens his hand and he's got the burning claw in there he just holds it up to the guy and so i love this like right before he's gonna like burn him with it we just cut to outside like a big thing of lightning Uh, like i could hear it you know what i mean
2: this is such a good page but i wouldn't mind having this page it's
0: a great page
2: it's just so perfect it's so perfectly rendered yeah, it's just really like y'all were talking a lot about this last last time. I think that this is a really good example of of how cinematic. Yeah, it can get and the like the way the panels are quote unquote like cropped mm-hmm. also kind of tells the story. Oh yeah! Like I love that we don't get all of the lobsters eyes. Like it's in this top one. The focus of the panel is, is going
0: is, down to the hand. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. Exactly. And it's kind of it's the center of the panel is the lobster symbol that oh, might be yeah. what you're looking at, and then your focus slowly oh, shifts to yeah. the hand coming towards you, and then to his face,
0: <laughs> his fucking
2: face. He's just totally oblivious for one second, and then yeah, he is branded. And like you said, we go. We cut to a shot outside of. The Zeppelin with the lightning striking as he's being branded. That's fucking awesome.
0: And it's also a nice bit of storytelling, too, because like maybe they don't hear it because the thunder or something like that, right?
2: Oh yeah, tight. Because he Cause might play scream. Oh, nice.
0: Well, I mean, it doesn't actually show him actually touching him just yet, so maybe right. he spilled the guts before he got branded. Right, <laughs> right. So then we cut to all the Nazi guys, and so here's their plan. Right, they're all in these gas masks. Get up, and they have this kind of like missile looking thing <laughs> this on the table. Just
2: runs in there, starts fucking.
0: Well, yeah, because they're waiting on Paul, their and ass. then they hear knocking at the door. They're like, "Oh, here he is! You had us worried." He just comes this in. So good. With the fucking luggage rack. That's my favorite part. Oh. Oh man, (laughs) beating their shit out of Oh, so hilariously awesome. And they're like, no. And he just goes, justice. And he breaks (laughs) that (laughs)
2: Fuck yes, man.
0: With the luggage rack. And I love the color of this panel, too. The color is all red on this one panel. And if you actually go back, this is a nice bit of continuity, too. When he chops Paul, you see that blue luggage rack right there. So he took it from that room, and he's like, I'm going to use this as my weapon. You know what I mean? I
1: love that. Can't you just picture him, like, running down a hall with yeah, it really you know? can. <laughs> and then yeah. like taps on the door yes right yeah so he's like he's using it fucking... to tap on the door <laughs>
2: <laughs> but he is he is leaping through the air with this thing just beating nazi ass and just crushing these machines and screaming and it's, it's just great. so fucking it's good. great it's epic oh it's so good
0: so this one nazi calls him an american pig Forget about them. Our plan is ruined. We must think of the future, this other one tells him. And so they run off. This one guy stays to fight the lobster. He says, uh, come on, you worm, or something like that. I think, I think that's what it was. Anyway, I love how the lobster just cracks him across the face with this, yeah. like, one piece. I guess that's piece of the luggage rack that he had left, right? Most likely. <laughs> and he runs down the hallway, and then he encounters this one guy that's got the sword. We saw him earlier run away. Oh, that's more of a long knife, mm-hmm. yeah. A I was sword. Gonna say. Oh, okay, yeah. You go no further, American. And the lobster is like, "Let's see about that." It and almost, so they have a great fight scene sorry, here. It almost
2: looks like a bayonet. I okay, was thinking that too.
0: They have a good action scene here, but like this guy can fight, right? He's the one Nazi that actually seems like he mm. can like do something. He's like. You know, kicking the you lobster. You gotta have one of those. Yeah. He says, you see, I am not like the others. I studied Kalari Payat in India. Every limb is a weapon.
2: I you know you see this a lot you see this in a lot of movies where yeah. it's like I'm beating up a lot of guys but then this one's a challenge what exactly. am I going to do when I get to this gets a mini boss
0: yeah it makes me you think of the... eighty nine Batman where that one guy jumps out sure. with the swords and he's like right.
2: or like uh, there was wasn't there a one of the Marvel movies that everybody apparently hates now <laughs> Captain America he's like I'm fighting all these guys on a boat and then this one guy was like I'm a really oh, good at fighting guy Batroc the Leaper yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: whatever yeah that's a great fight Kalari Payet is a martial art and fighting system that originated in kalara india it is considered by some to be the oldest martial art still in existence with its origins dating back to at least the sixth century because of this it's been called the mother of all martial arts (laughs) and what do you think lobster johnson has to say to that
2: feel the claw feel the claw (laughs) he just fucking
0: (laughs) runs at this guy fucking crashes him through the window of the zeppelin and they're both like hanging out is so great the momentum too they really uh, they really illustrate that well i love a good
2: zeppelin fight
0: yeah (laughs) um they're like kind of hanging out the window the lobster is hanging down lower the guy still's got his legs in the zeppelin and so he's actually able to climb back in and then he pulls out that blade and he's like where is your justice now feel the blade and then he stabs lobster johnson in the arm but he doesn't realize that his gas mask has come off and it's still hanging out the window and it's attached to him right there, wearing like these suits with them on. So the lobster just like grabs that gas mask and just like and he just yanks him right out of there. Yeah, the he thing. like seesaws him out of there or whatever. He uses that momentum to just swing that guy out. And again, the big lightning behind it, it's so epic.
3: When he jumps back in and that little waiter sitting there, first thing I thought it was uh, Indiana Jones' of The Last Crusade, where he's like,
0: No ticket. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> we see the lobster he approaches the captain and he's like you need to land now your ship is under siege we see that the nazis already have the captain as a hostage and they're like he knows hero you may be afraid to fire your guns but if you don't let me use this parachute to escape i will happily risk burning this entire airship at the very least you will have this man's death on your conscience he's like tell me hero it was paul wasn't it that weakling yes he told me everything and so we cut back to where the lobster is uh, going to burn Paul, and he learned a lesson himself. So we cut back to that, and Paul, he spills the beans here, right? He talks about him and his brother Lucas. They had this idea for a chemical to punish the world for what they did to Germany after the war. Germany lost to the Allies in World War I and suffered huge territorial losses, giving away its land and population to Poland, Russia, France, Belgium, and denmark and ultimately had to sign the treaty of versailles terms of the treaty were germany had to accept the war guilt clause and pay reparations and so paul mentions that here too
2: they felt the clause
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh the clause i get it now i didn't get it That was actually pretty good lucas designed this gas basically when you mix these two chemicals it like makes people melt or whatever if they inhale it okay the way that he's holding that bottle of, you know, I guess
3: liquid or whatever gas is solution, he's got a snooty look on his face. Yeah. He's all like,
0: "No, dude, I want to punch you." Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, there was an Maybe accident because he's a Nazi. Yeah, Nazi. yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> gotta <laughs> punch the Nazis. And then we see Nazis. Uh, <laughs> isn't that what what Brad Pitt says on *Inglorious Bastards*? Oh, I don't, Doesn't he say that. Nazis? Oh, yeah. I think he does. Yeah.
1: So. Yes. And all y'all will get me 100 Nazi scalps taken from the heads of 100 dead Nazis.
0: We see that the glass cracks where he's like melting some animals doing experiments. And so he gets affected by the gas. So that was the guy that we saw melting in that first scene. And that's what happened to him. Good. So after they lost Lucas, they decided that they were going to use this weapon. They're going to use this here in America. And so we get like this image of the Zeppelin overhead and like all these people melting in the gas and everything. It's pretty gruesome. Once again, we will establish German superiority over your small petty nation. And the, lo- <laughs> and the lobster's like, you won't be doing any of that. And, and we see him like he's pouring out that chemical so it can't be mixed. Next. don't be so sure american and so paul he reaches under his pillow and i guess he's there's supposed to be a gun there i guess the lobster got there beforehand he's like it's not there anymore and then he like hits him with the gun across the face nice. we cut back to the scene now where this one nazi is holding the pilot hostage and he's asking the lobster johnson to let him escape in the parachute the lobster tells him all the weapons in your luggage in your rooms easy to find easier to empty And they're like, you're lying. And now this man will die. He will die because of you. And so he tries to shoot him, but the gun doesn't have any bullets in it. That's so great. He emptied all their, yeah. See,
3: that's your own fault. If you're going to grab a gun, make sure it's loaded. Right. (laughs) Even if it was loaded the last time
0: you saw it. I mean, otherwise,
3: that's your own damn fault.
0: And so he goes running for the window to jump out. He breaks through and the lobster is running after him. He actually gets out in the parachute. And then the lobster just jumps out there, too, after him with no parachute. The pilot's like, no. And we just see the lobster falling. He's just going towards the parachute. That is so awesome.
3: Not even gravity will keep you from justice.
0: (laughs) 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 The pilot's like, good God. Radio Lakehurst. We're bringing her back. And so the lobster and the guy in the parachute, they disappear in the sky. We cut to a hotel. And we see Detective Eckert. We've met him in Lobster Johnson, the Burning Hand. There's a crime scene there. We see the Nazi in the parachute and they go up to check the body. They have to put like a ladder up there to get him off this hotel sign. Just as I figured dead as a doornail, Jesus. And they're like, what is it detective? And he's got the brand of the lobster underneath the mask. The end. Hell yeah. So the lobster had to catch him in midair, burn him and then put the mask back
1: on and somehow land safely right expect
2: no less yeah Yeah. (laughs) well
1: it's like how did he get on that zeppelin in the first place like the guy is he's got right yeah he's always has a way (laughs) right and we can't forget behind the scenes he has a whole team Mm -hmm. right so this looks like the lobster versus a crew of guys but come on the lobster didn't go out there on his own he's got his own crew right But I was going to say, for anybody that likes process or, like, uh, peek at how these comics are made, there's a blog. It's an older blog, and it's rarely updated, called Flattened. And it's by one of the guys that did Flats for Dave Stewart. And it features this last page on the blog. You know, it also features that old cover for BPRD Hell on Earth Gods where it shows Abe's, like, insides.
0: Oh, I love that. The Guy Davis one, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: right. It shows the flats for that, too. So it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, it's by artist Alex Petretich, I think his name is. So anyway, check that out. It's called Flattened. And uh, it's like an old blog spot blog.
0: Nice. Send me a link to that and I'll post it on our social medias.
1: Oh, cool. Right on. Yeah.
0: All right. The next story that we're going to discuss today is Lobster Johnson, Satan Smells a Rat. This is a one-shot published in May 2013, written by Mignola and Arcudi, art, colors, letters, and cover art by Kevin Nolan. And so we saw Kevin Nolan on Buster Oakley gets his wish. And so he talked about there in that sketchbook section that he does his all his own stuff. He does the colors, he does the letters, yeah. and everything. And um, this cover image is
1: really awesome too. He usually draws. I don't know if he does this for every page, but any process stuff I've seen from him, he will draw over and over and over again. He'll do like a sketch and then pencils and then the real pencils. Wow. And then and then the actual pencils and then the ink. It's crazy the amount of time he puts on this stuff, but I, I think it pays off.
0: Oh yeah, they have some of the some of his roughs or some of his thumbnails in the sketchbook and he letters all his thumbnails. They're, like, fully lettered. Wow. Which is crazy, yeah. smart. Wow. So we open on this picturesque city. We quickly realize that we're looking at a city model with these intricately painted miniatures of people. And there's this guy playing with them, and he focuses on the carefree vagabond, how he can walk anywhere. You're exceptional. Isn't that it, he says? You can walk anywhere you like. We see this creepy guy come in with a syringe, We'll learn his name is Dr. Andres. And he's got a crow on his shoulder. (laughs) What's up with that? I mean, nothing wrong with crows or anything like that, but it just seems so odd. It's just funny, yeah. Time for another injection, he says, to the guy that's playing with the model. And the guy playing with the model, he's like this older guy with glasses. We cut to this couple, and they're walking through the streets. It must be Halloween, because we see kids running around in Halloween costumes, they're dressed as a wizard, Frankenstein, and a knight. And this guy, Mr. Pawdell says he doesn't like Halloween, but it's all right for kids. And I just love the art. I mean, Kevin Nolan has such uh, expressive faces, you know, in yeah. his work. And um, his coloring, it, it it's different from Dave Stewart's. I mean, you can definitely tell that it's a different colorist, but it just works really well, and especially for this time period, I feel like.
3: I'm really digging that kid's Frankenstein costume. Yeah, it's pretty good, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) The woman that he's with, she thinks it's fancy that he has a doorman. And so this doorman greets them and opens the door. This makes me think that maybe it's their first date or something like that, right? Most likely. Paudel says, you ain't seen fancy till you seen what I got behind the bar. And she says, you don't mean alcohol, do you? That isn't one bit legal. Like the last story, the Burning Hand prohibition was still a thing during this time. And Padell says that after next week when Hoover's gone, Roosevelt will fix that goofy law. And that's exactly what happened. FDR took office on March 4th and 18 days later signed the Cullen-Harrison Act allowing the manufacture and selling of beer. Upon signing, FDR said, I think this is a good time for a beer. Nice. <laughs> And Paudel says, let's drink to the future as he opens the door. When he (laughs) opens the door, Nolan, yeah, he gives us this huge splash page of them finding this disgusting wet corpse in his living room sitting in the chair. It looks like it's been shot in the head. (laughs) (laughs) And Kevin Nolan gives us like a whole page to like let this whole gruesome thing sink in. It's so disgusting. Thank you at first when i when i turn the page it's like oh did his roommate die right (laughs) and so the woman runs off at the sight of this and padel he's like it's just some damn halloween prank and then he goes over and he smells it
2: (laughs) like you'd need to get that close
0: and he's like jesus he realizes that it's real right and so the police come up after just seeing this woman running off screaming damn how am i supposed to explain this padel runs through the apartment And down the fire escape on the other side, he goes down to look for his car, but it's gone. And so he's like, where would I park that thing? And then he turns around and the car is bearing down right on him. He jumps out of the way just in time, and we see that there's more of these dead guys in the car, too. One in the driver's seat and one in the passenger seat. (laughs) so weird it's there's something humorous about it i don't know and this is a really cool car too i was trying to look for what kind of car this was it kind of looks like a 1932 ford cabriolet is that how you would say that cabriolet yeah Yeah. but the back looks different see that's what the thing that was throwing it off is i couldn't find a car that had that same kind of rear part custom yeah, it sure. might be. I mean,
3: he looks like the kind of guy that custom his car. He has a doorman.
0: Sure, you're right. <laughs> and so, as the car drives off with these two dead guys in it, he's like, "That's my car." No, not yours anymore. And the lobster is there, right? Yeah, man, I gotta agree with you. This is like hilarious. Yeah, because, <laughs> you know, Tom dude's gonna be like,
3: "Holy shit, corpses are driving the car and all that." <laughs> and you know, the other, and we know the guy's just radio controlling.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we we get to see that. It
3: would be funny, you see they're meeting. okay, alright, so I'm going to dig up these corpses, we're going to put them strategically, <laughs> you're going to drive the car, oh man,
0: I would have loved to have seen that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and so Padel's like, what the hell, kind of get up, because he just saw these, he, it's Halloween, he just saw these kids, and now here's the lobster. Are you doing this all to me? I swear to Christ, but then the lobster just starts shooting him immediately, <laughs> he shoots this guy in yes. the shoulder, <laughs> and he just takes off running. He goes down into the subway. Just like Aubrey said, as he goes down, we get this little reveal scene. I like that they include this, like, how they did it. You know what I mean? Because you're, like, thinking, yeah. what, what was happening with that car? How did the lobster do that? And also, like Matt pointed out in the last story, maybe we maybe these scenes were cut out of the last story. And there were parts that we kind of missed, you know? Right.
1: Yeah, like when he jumped after the parachute, maybe exactly. he landed on their plane or something. Something, right. right. <laughs> yeah. And so we see
0: Harry Mctell, who we met in The Burning Hand, and we also saw him in BPRD... God, what story was that? Garden of Souls? Oh, right. I don't remember, yeah.
1: That was the Black Goddess that he showed up Oh, okay, BPRD. thank you for
0: that, Matt. And then we also see Lester. They're getting the radio control from the bottom of the car. We cut to Mr. Pawdown. He's on the subway now. And I thought this was kind of a humorous scene, too, because earlier he's like... I don't really like Halloween, but I guess it's alright for kids. And then here on the train, they think that he's dressed up for Halloween because <laughs> he's got blood on him. And so they're like, "Can you imagine an adult dressing up for Halloween?" This one old lady's like, "I don't find it the least bit funny, glorifying death and violence and devils." <laughs> <laughs>
2: awesome.
0: <laughs> and so Paudel's like, you know, he's just gonna stay calm. And in a couple more stops, he'll be home free. We focus in on his face, and then we just kind of see his eyes quickly dart to the side. And the lobster is out the window of the train car. (laughs) His goggles, it's really good. He's like, he lousy bastard. And so he starts shooting at the lobster. But then when he sticks his head out the window, the lobster is gone. He's like, that's right. Should have killed me when you had the chance. Goodbye, Buck Rogers. (laughs) So Buck Rogers is a reference to a fictional space opera character created in the novella armageddon 2419 ad by philip francis nowlin although that was interesting they have the same oh, last name oh, yeah. yeah a war veteran of world war one buck rogers was exposed to radioactive gas and fell into a state of suspended animation free from the ravages of catabolic processes and without any apparent effect on physical or mental faculties Rogers remain in suspended animation for 492 years, and then he wakes up in 2419 and has space adventures.
3: I used to watch the uh, Buck Rogers TV show that came out in like the late 70s, early 80s. Oh, nice. yeah, Yeah. Totally. Right, but he was an astronaut who flew away and then came
0: back 500 years later, so I'm sure like that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we cut back to the guy that's playing with the miniatures. This time he's painting one of them and so he's got this big butler guy and so he carries in a bloodied and beat mr padell so we're kind of putting this together right this old guy with the miniatures you know they work together he works with padell
3: this scene where the butler's holding him and he's at his uh, table working on it yeah it kind of reminds me of a clockwork orange where oh yeah the alex character is being brought in by uh, david prowse
0: and oh, the guy sitting in okay. his table yeah nice yeah some time has passed, and we see Dr. Andres. He's patching up Padel. He's, uh, he's still got the crow on his shoulder <laughs> as he's doing all this, which is another nice little detail. And we start to get the whole story. There's some messed up experiments going on by Dr. Andres. The old guy is the boss, and we also reveal that he's in a wheelchair, too. Mr. Padell was getting rid of the bodies from their experiments in the sewers in a section no one should even know about but we know that the lobster and his crew have their hideout down there so this is all starting to make sense right they're dumping the bodies down there thinking no one's going to find them and then the lobster is going to come across them the old guy he says even if someone did stumble upon the bodies how do they connect it to padel and then all of a sudden this bullet shell casing plinks down and it lands right in front of them and the lobster stands on the stairs he found it wrapped up in a sheet around a body print still on the shell very sloppy west padel three arrests for arm robbery three convictions too stupid to run an operation big enough for all those bodies but you scare an animal you wound it and it always runs to its owner Mm. and so while the lobster is threatening these guys the big lug butler comes up behind him and so he's about to get the lobster but like he knows that he's there or something so he just like throws him over his shoulder i love that panel right there it's so dynamic
2: Yeah, it's good.
0: Great sense of motion. And he swings the big guy, breaking all the experiments and messing up their little lab there. Pawdell starts shooting at the lobster, and the lobster starts shooting back, and he shoots Pawdell, and he shoots towards Dr. Andres. And so we see the crow fly away right here. (laughs) So it got safe. So it's not involved in all the gunfire. Which is good. Which is good. Get that crow out of there. The lobster approaches Dr. Andres at gunpoint, and he's like, please don't, don't, I'm no killer, I'm just a man of science. The work I do will help people. And so the lobster's like, what kind of work? But then just then, the big lug, he attacks the lobster again, and they crash through this door, and they keep fighting. The lobster shoots the big lug, and he comes for Dr. Andres again. And this action is just so well done, and almost seems like animated. I love the way Kevin Nolan draws the lobster's face, too, like the bottom part of his face that you can see. yeah just gives it kind of like that rugged look a little bit as the lobster is talking to dr andres they kind of realize the experiment we see this guy all tied up and there are like all these tubes like coming out of his spine or whatever he's hooked Uh. up to this contraption and dr andres is like no don't look that way he's just a forgotten man they all were nobody cares about them if anyone did they wouldn't have been drinking their limes away this way he contributes you see, those were new human nerves. I stimulated that hypergrowth, and if I can successfully harvest them, there'll be no more paralysis. None. There's no tragedy here. I've given his life, and then the lobster just shoots him. He just blows him away in the middle of him talking. <laughs> he doesn't even let him finish. He's like, and, I-,
3: I had enough of your justification.
0: Exactly. And he's and he's also seen like, this tortured guy. There's this moment where we see him like walk up and look at the guy that they're experimenting on. His eyes are all like white and he looks just totally like brain dead.
1: He's beyond rescue. Yeah. Right,
0: right. So all of a sudden he starts getting shot too, and at first I thought it was a lobster shooting him, but we see the lobster's actually jumping out of the way. It's the old man in the wheelchair. And he's like, You scum, I wasn't bothering you. I don't even care about you. And you destroyed me. Dr. Andres was gonna cure me. I was gonna walk again. I was gonna walk and he's shooting at the lobster and so in that first scene where he was like the vagabond you can walk wherever you want and all that kind of stuff so you know he had i guess this was his you know dream to be able to walk again you take it for granted you in the low life you all walk around walk around looking down on me i could buy and sell them by the dozen but they look at me like i'm not even human we reveal the lobsters right behind him right and he's like they're right just like in the last story we cut to the police getting there probably the next day or something and they're looking around the place all these guys are dead with the lobster claw branded on their faces and one of the guys is like that's old hat by now you know they're used to this a whole basement full of them all except this guy what's so special about him and that's the guy that was being experimented on right
1: yeah Mm. he came like as close to a final burial right. as possible right well right. he was
2: trying to be respectful yeah, yeah. The, that's the thing that they do in the the hospital right that they pull the sheet over the sure, patient yeah.
3: well it's not just that he also took him down from the uh um, yeah the harness or whatever right. he was held
0: up by and took all the tubes out of him Put a
2: little thing under his head
0: yeah 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 and i really like that story and i really like seeing kevin nolan come back to do the lobster It's so yeah. cool i yeah, really like his fun. take on the character
1: i always like to remind people that he designed the original hellboy logo
3: Mhm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. All right. The last story on this episode is Tony Masso's Finest Hour. I
2: could read Lobster Johnson stories oh, <laughs> for just episode oh, yeah. after episode. Like, I could do this.
0: Um, I'm glad you're saying that because this is going to be Lobster Johnson Month. All
2: right. Excellent. Well,
0: and,
1: and these one shots uh, were so welcomed by the fans and the readers because it meant that you were getting Hellboy Universe stories monthly, sometimes weekly. Right, yeah, you know, so, so on the one hand you're like, why are they just doing one shots, and on the other hand you're like, hey, the more the better. Right? At the
0: time, yeah, you almost had something coming out every single week. So one yeah. week you get a BPRD issue, then you get a Lobster issue, then you get a Hellboy issue, and then yeah, a
1: Witchfinder there and you an go, Abe, yeah. and it's nice. pretty cool. Nice.
0: Tony Masso's Finest Hour is a short story featuring the Lobster, published in Dark Horse Presents number nine in February 2012, written by Mignola. Art by Joe Querio, so we last saw Joe Querio in the BPRD Hell on Earth monster story, The Broken Equation. Colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins. And I want to point out this Mignola cover. This was the cover to Dark Horse Presents number nine, and I had been looking for this issue forever. I finally found it in a comic store in Austin. Um, But yeah, I really love this cover. That's a sweet cover. Yeah. So we open up on this kid. He's like, "X tree X Masso beats the rap. My boss gets away with murder with Moita. With Moita." <sighs> and we're in Glen Cove, Long Island, 1933.
2: You gotta say it right, Long Island. <laughs> I'm I'm somewhat walking here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Just like Matt said, we're picking up like in the middle of the story here. There's already like a room full of dead gangsters. They're
2: all they're all named like Rocco, Louie, Al, and Vince. Yeah, <laughs> surprised it wasn't Vinny. Right, it's incredible.
0: Well, maybe it
3: was, but he's like, "Stop calling me. I'm not right, Vince. Right. I'm mature now." <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, so someone's on the phone asking for these guys. That's how we get all their names, but they're not responding because they're dead. And we see that they were playing cards, and one of the cards is a lobster card nice somebody got dealt the wrong hand oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut over to this been
2: such an amazing ending for rounders yeah <laughs> just a fucking guy somebody puts on goggles, the sunglasses while they say that
0: <laughs> we cut over to this one scene and this one guy is like somebody answer me that's the guy that was on the phone this is tony masso and he's like somebody pick up or you're all fired And so this one guy in the background, I guess, we put this all together really quickly. I'm assuming this is like his sage or whatever, someone that's kind of like helping him. He he,
2: definitely looks like a wizard of some kind.
0: And he's like, they're all dead, Tony. And Tony's like, after all that horrible stuff I'd done for you, for that thing, you said I was protected. And so that thing that he's referring to, they have like some Cthulhu statue weird thing. Um, we saw Joe Querio do such great monster work in that BPRD story, and his monster work is awesome in this story, too. And we've gotten a couple of like little statuettes that kind of look like this. It always makes me remind yeah. reminds me yeah. of Call of Cthulhu. Right. There's kind of this same pose. I think in Call of Cthulhu, it's much he smaller. He goes into so
2: much detail about this statuette.
0: Yeah, it's really nice. There's some really good sketches of it in the sketchbook, oh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Tony Masso's Wizard, he says, I promise you that the law man's law would never touch you and it won't you're protected from that but the thing coming for you now is justice nice and querio does like his own little like mood shots here too at the bottom which i really like how it pans over to the creature and then the candles really nice layouts oh yeah masso says and so he shoots the wizard guy and he's like and you and he points the gun towards the creature statue and then it starts talking to him and it's like What is it you want? In your true heart of hearts, what do you want? And so he's like, it's the lobster coming for me, isn't it? The creature's like, it is. And we see the lobster like coming up the stairs. I want to beat him, Tony Masso says. I want to beat the hell out of him. And then I want to see the goddamn look on his face when he knows I beat him. That is easily done, the creature says. And then he's like, what are you? And then Tony Masso falls. And then the creature like opens his eyes like with an exclamation point. And he's like, what did you do to me? And so I like this. Without spelling it out, we quickly realize through the art that Tony Masso turned into this creature or whatever, into this statue. Now it's alive. What you've asked for. I've given you the power to defeat your enemy. And so the lobster comes in with his signature line. He's like, here's the claw. He kicks down the door. (laughs) And then he just opens it. He's like, what the hell's going on in here? He just sees that monster. And I love how the monster is like, I got a surprise for you. (laughs) (laughs) Like the monster would talk like that is really great.
2: (laughs) New Jersey exit. It's good.
0: And so the lobster just starts shooting at it, but it's totally unfazed. He goes, I'm goddamn bulletproof.
3: See, this, this one definitely needs to get animated I or oh, uh, live action.
0: I just love this Cthulhu monster, like, talking like this. And you could totally, like, hear the voice and everything. I done it all and ain't nobody... This
2: but- is Tony mess, so you're messing with. <laughs> I
0: done it all and ain't nobody gonna touch me for it. Justice will not be denied, monster, the lobster says says who and he like bats the lobster away i guess you got my boys but this is tony masso you're messing with now and he punches the lobster and he's like tony masso and he gets the lobster he like throws him out the window at the last minute the lobster is able to catch onto the ledge to prevent him from falling and the monster approaches he's like gonna do his last blow like i guess throw the lobster off or whatever i beat the hell out of you like i said i would You see his face. The creature says, and I like how we know it's the creature because it's like a little purple word balloon. He knows. The creature says, and then Tony Masso reaches out to get the lobster for that last blow, but then he like starts turning to stone. He's like, "What's going on? I can't move." You said you wanted to beat him, and you did. You didn't say kill, and he's like, "That's not fair." And then the monster like falls out the window. And it just like breaks into a bunch of pieces
2: i don't understand how there's any single person who doesn't yet know that the the wishes all come with this ironic punishment yeah. like how does that n- I mean, come on and we've
0: we've seen that especially in the hellboy universe I mean, a lot of
2: on. times
3: yeah it reminded me of the time we were talking about the last time we were talking about wishes like you need to spell out your contract
0: oh man yeah, exactly we've <laughs> yeah. been through this Where's tony Masso's
1: lawyer right right <sighs> there's one little moment in here though when lobster realizes that he's changed into this demon and he's like tony what have you done he's there to to kill the guy you know he's not gonna let him live right because when he says justice he means death right right what is he just concerned that the guy's playing with the dark arts? why would he say that line what have you done it's pretty
2: horrifying
0: i think also like The lobster hasn't seen this much of that stuff. Right, yeah. At this point, we're going to get to some more supernatural stuff in the next story, but I think this might be one of the first times that he's like, what the hell is going on? You know, like, what is this? Yeah. That's a good point. So it might just be like shock of seeing this creature. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) and then so i like this too like because tony Masso's body fell when he turned into the creature so then this last little panel where it says the end we see the lobster went back and burned the corpse or whatever that was there (laughs) had to leave that mark on it obsessed yes all right so a little bit of a shorter episode this week you know um over the next couple weeks we're gonna have some short episodes we're gonna have some long episodes i want to make sure that you guys can get a book club episode every single week but we're also want to take a couple weeks off for the holiday so we'll be back next week with some more lobster johnson stories but this was a lot of fun and now aubrey's gonna say all the things
2: you can consolidate all your lobster johnson hey damn guys's (laughs) yeah send them then we'll read them and we'll (laughs) Read us some back to you, Aubrey.
0: <laughs> no wait, wait,
3: wait. What what, what do they do after they read them?
2: Then you're gonna we're gonna tell you what you're gonna read and then you're gonna read it and we talk about it and then we talk about what you were talking about and then we're gonna read another story and then, then back to you, Aubrey. <laughs> and then
0: uh, friendship. You and forgot friendship, about friendship. But,
2: yeah. and Always friendship. <laughs> All
3: right, everybody, you heard her. Send us your lobster johnsons, hey you damn guys. You can send us at to Hellboy Book Club at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find the Discord um, reading order on our Facebook About section. As always, a special thanks to Paul from Gartahan for the uh, theme music. It's wonderful. We love it. Thank you, Mark Shudell, for helping John with the reading order. And thank you, John, for fucking all that shit oh, yeah. you do. Anytime. You know, like, like the Foley has been amazing.
0: Oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And next week, we're sticking with Lobster Johnson, and we're reading A Scent of Lotus and A Prayer for Neferu. So, you know what to do. Pull out the back issues. Pull out your trades. Pull out your digital copies. Punch some Nazis. Punch a Nazi in the face. <laughs> do that every day. Hashtag punch Nazis in the face.
0: We'll,
2: we'll try to crowdsource your bail. Uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club Podcast.
0: Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Daniel. I'm Matt Rockfine.
3: And I'm Aubrey Loveless saying, here's the claw.
1: Yeah. Yes.